1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. And for yes. Joe Maurer, yeah.
0: I heard it the way Kenny did. Yeah. Oh,
1: I'm pretty sure yeah, I heard don't, don't, it, sta- no, don't, don't start. No, don't start. uh Don't do that. No, Not that's, to Joe. That's my Joe's been through too. enough, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. I know what you're trying to do, Kenny. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, I sort of do, but that's besides.
0: Hold on, Judd, how, how much time did you spend outside this Memorial Day weekend? I went to the Saints
1: game on Saturday. Okay. Uh, and that was about it. Townball Classic? No. So, oh, all... I missed the Tomball Classic. Okay, I did too. Uh, first time I've missed it.
0: It's pretty good, though. You went outside,
1: though. At least yeah, for a oh, little no, bit I more. went outside, yeah. Okay. It was gorgeous. A little hot for me, but that's okay. We
0: have a jam-packed opening bell. Let's dive ding, in. Ding, ding. High fly to deep center field. Going back
2: is Jay. And that ball is gone. Sano to center field. A two-run blast, and the Twins take the lead. How about a line drive? A base hit that'll score two. Rosario comes through, digging for second base, and he's in with a two-run double, and now another runner coming home. Dozier
0: flying around third, and the Twins score three on Rosario's I double. think as we've been off the air for a few days here, uh good news for the Twins, they won yesterday. Bad news, they got absolutely destroyed. Uh, AL
1: Central, they're fine. Yes. Just keep playing in the division. You're absolutely fine.
0: So I think we should start off with just a little state of the Twins address here. Um, I just, just a big picture glance at what's happening as we go into the third month of the Major League Baseball season. I think the next two weeks, or really even like the next 10 to 12 days, are going to decide their season. I don't think it's a stretch to say that this series against Kansas City and then the home games against Cleveland and then Chicago, and then that homestand actually extends into uh, Los Angeles as well. But I think you'll know exactly what the Twins are going to be doing the rest of the year based off what happens in the next week and a half to two weeks.
1: See, here's my—the issue is this. If they're successful against— the Sox, and they're successful against KC for the next two games. Cleveland's not great, but they're still the best team in the division. If you're successful against those teams, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into this until you start to play teams outside this division. So to your point, if you fall apart, then you just stink. Like if you start to lose to Cleveland and KC in the next couple days and the White Sox, then you just stink. If you come out of that in decent shape, and then you have an off day on June the eighteenth, and on the nineteenth you start a three game home stand against uh, Boston. If you are in decent shape, I say if you can if you can turn it around to a point where you can start to beat th- those teams at least on occasion. But I'm not going to be convinced of anything regarding this team as far as being as far as their overall competence until they well, beat teams outside the Central Division. Let me let me clarify. I don't think you're gonna. F- I, I don't think
0: they're anywhere near Houston. They're not. At the beginning of the year, we were trying to figure out ways where, man, could they start off playoff contention, then add a piece and get on that level? And the answer is there's so much more than one piece at the trade deadline away from being on that level. I'm just saying in terms of playing competitive games that could lead to a wildcard spot in September you're going to know after the next 10 to 12 days, because right now they sit five games under 500. Yep. This is the part of your schedule where like if Cleveland sweeps you or something, you can put the division to bed too. Mm-hmm. So uh, and this is also the time of year for sure. In 2006, where you're about to bury him in 06, that was a much more talented team. I'm not trying to compare. That was a, that, w- that might've been the most talented twins team in history. If you look up and down like pre-surgery, Liriano, uh, Johan Santana, But that was the time of year when you start to make that turn into June, and the trade deadline is now sort of on the horizon, and you're a few games under five they They're five games under five they They're last in the American League in runs scored. Fewer games than the other teams, but still, it's not not like they're going to score 15 tonight. Um, Maybe they do, I guess. But only three American League teams have a lower on-base percentage or slugging percentage. And the twins have hit more fly balls than any other team in the American League, which is good for hashtag launch angle.
1: And those balls go where? Not over the fence. Right in the gloves, perhaps.
0: Not over the fence. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. I just it's possible that it's possible that they just have to collect themselves before the trade deadline, sell off some assets, and and try again for next year. But that's the good news. They're not all or nothing for this year. They could. It would be disappointing if they didn't make the playoffs and and progress up no. what they did. But I mean, I could see a scenario in which. They have a great homestand after this Kansas City series, and they and they get back into it, and they're 500, and they're competing for the division in a wild card spot, and uh, maybe they maybe they add something in five or six weeks near the trade deadline. I could also see a scenario in which this two week stretch doesn't go well, and they start to put Brian Dozier on the block, Kyle Gibson last year of his contract on the block, Lance Lance Lins Lins pitching Lins back you better, on the block. right?
1: I will give you I will give you two names. So and Buxton, do something consistently, stay healthy, stay yeah. on the field, and get on base. So, Sonoma hit the home run last night, but my God, if you look at what they are doing strikeout-wise, both players, um, if, if I had told you at the beginning of this year that at the plate both players were going to be bad, you'd say, yeah, this team's in trouble. Guess what? They're in trouble. They're in trouble. Miguel Sano can't go to the. He ho- homered last night. I get that, but the strikeouts are mind-boggling. They're not bad. They're mind-boggling. They're, it's almost incomprehensible that think, you can go to the plate and I strike think, out them.
0: I actually think it's normal now. Like, like I've, I just get, I've okay, gotten so but, used to it. But with if that's him. the
1: case, they're done. You're done. Ding.
0: Curry waits. Durant gets the ball. Curry will come and set a screen. You gotta keep moving. Yep. To Five stand on the around. shot clock and Durant in no hurry now with three with two. Comes left, pulls up, takes contested three, and it's good for KD. That was cold-blooded. Hariza for three.
2: Cannot
3: find the range. Is there a point pressure where you stop shooting? Gordon got a step back three. 42-3 per
0: game during the season it's hard forced to play. and it's a rebounded by the Warriors the shot's no good Bell tips the rebound to Draymond Draymond out of the pack to Curry Curry for three got another one it's a Curry flurry And 72 oh thanks John Sterling Warriors lead by nine unbelievable yes
1: a thanks. Curry flurry Whoa. I love when he breaks no. into an announcer yes. guy oh, it's Curry <laughs> Uh, So
0: I believe it was 27 missed three-pointers by the Rockets at one point in a row in the second half. And uh, and some people smarter than us did the math on this. So you have a 36% three-point shooting team over the course of the year. How many times out of blank would they miss 27 in a row? And someone found it was like 1 in 187,000 were the odds of missing 27 three-pointers in a row. Doesn't take into account pressure and the fact that you're really playing like a six or seven-man rotation for an entire playoff no, stretch. No Chris Paul was enormous for him, obviously. Yeah, guys are super tired and uh, and confidence starts to wane. But a one in 187,000 chance that they would go through that futility <laughs> stretch of, of three-point shooting. Um, on, the, uh, on the Eastern Conference side, I put together a little list here for you. Mm-hmm. So LeBron James back to the... NBA Finals for the 8th straight year. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, if you rank franchises and then LeBron as a franchise in NBA history, trips to the NBA Finals, it goes Lakers and Celtics with like 30 apiece. And then LeBron would be third with 9 trips to the NBA Finals Mm -hmm. as a franchise by himself. Mm -hmm. But here's what the sports world looked like the last time LeBron James missed the NBA Finals almost a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Brandon Roy... Was one of the NBA's leading scorers before the knee troubles and that weird stint with the Timberwolves where he just like couldn't jump over a phone book. Kevin Love had just started shooting threes for Randy Whitman yeah. inside Target. And was told center. not to. Yes, was scolded and chastised. You get your ass out of the low That's block. That's not a good idea, Kevin. Uh, Jason Kidd and Steve Nash were two of the NBA's assist leaders the last time LeBron missed the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Woods was still a wholesome family guy in the public eye. About nine. That years was right ago. around that time, right? Yeah, it was like right around the time where a nine iron and a broken got windshield mad at and yeah. threw the
1: golf clubs out. Yeah.
0: Uh, Brett Favre was the Viking starting quarterback, and Matt Schaub was the NFL's leading passer. <laughs> Matt Schaub, Vikings loved him at one time, you know. Yeah. And uh, Byron Buxton had just gotten his driver's license. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing for you: how the sports world has changed since LeBron James last missed the NBA Finals. Target Field had only been open for a few weeks. They were just playing. Yeah, that's uh, right. Into the 2010 season, so
1: that's a long time to be uh, battling oh, it out in the NBA Finals. It's an incredible stretch. So, so he, uh, LeBron's going to his eighth consecutive final. There are two, or there are three players in the history of the league who have gone, who went to more consecutive final. Bill Russell went to ten consecutive uh, from the Celtics back in the 50s into the 60s. Sam Jones and Tommy Heinsohn went to nine consecutive. Frank Ramsey also of the same era from the Celtics went to eight as did did LeBron. So, so I, like forty. So I looked ago. this up last night. I thought to myself, what was what were the playoffs like in the fifties into the sixties in this league? What did you what did you have to grind through, right? A lot, like, of, a lot of hook like shots and how bounce many, passes. How many tough series did you gotta go have to go through? Well, in nineteen fifty nine, the Boston Celtics had to play one series because they got a first round bye to reach the finals. So they played two series. Because how many teams were even in the league at that? It was just the NBA. Yeah, yeah, it it was small. But the point is, through 1965, the Boston Celtics kept going back to the finals and winning by having a first round bye. So they got the whole first round off, then playing one series, and then playing the finals.
0: Could you imagine putting... This version of LeBron so, James in a 1958 no, basketball
1: but, game. So, but, but the point is, <laughs> for, Bob for all the old-timers who say, look at what those Celtics teams did. Look at how great. And they were great. That's fine. For their era, they were fantastic. But the point being is, this guy, for the last eight years, has had to grind through four rounds every single season. Yes, Think and, about the difference. Though. And we can
0: do more on this later. But as you were laying out that entire argument, I fell into the same trap mentally as, I think, Everyone else does When you're trying to Contextualize LeBron James Michael Jordan kept Popping into my head How does it compare To Michael Jordan Is Michael Jordan better Michael Jordan this Like you can't Gotta Talk about Michael have, Jordan We were talking about This before the show It's become impossible To discuss LeBron James Without some sort of Referendum on Michael Jordan's career as well yes. Being right next to it Yes um, Let's get to this though too
2: On the right side Here's Ryan Reeves Shoves it right point Derek Anglin Hard to the left Shea Theodore The lefty Kips one towards the goal, but it got blocked. Stays in the zone for Theodore. He's got some room on the left
3: side. He centers. Right side. Score! On cue! Tomas Nosik. Five four Vegas! Ten minutes
2: to go in the third period. Second goal of the Stanley Cup playoffs for Tomas Nosek. He delivers the go-ahead goal.
1: Bravo. National Hockey League game one of the finals last night got it exactly right. That was a game... That ordinary sports fan could absolutely love. You had offense. The goaltending and defense was not great. At times it was bad. Guess what? Who cares? If you are trying to attract casual sports fan and say, sit down and watch, the most important things that you need to get are what? Offense, excitement, skating, all those things. Last night's game had it. But it also had one thing that the National Hockey League, if they're smart today, Will take drastic action, and it will have pushback against it, and and the hockey fans will will be upset, Capitals fans upset. But it's the easiest way to make a statement about concussions. The Tom Wilson hit on Marsha's show in the third period last night. It was a blindside hit. It was dirty. Was it completely egregious? No, but it was dirty. But this is the this is the third time, or he's been Wilson's been suspended. Three times so far this year, dating to the preseason, okay? If the NHL is smart, what they're going to do is say, you are done for the series. You're out of the series. You are. We can't. We're suspending you for a fourth time. You have no clue what is a cheap shot and what's a good check. A star player, which this guy is, dumped the puck off, was not expecting to be hit, shouldn't have been hit, and was... If I'm the league, I come down and say for the good of our game and to show people that we're serious, you are out of the series. Well, You're done, your season is done. And let's take the like the concussion thing
0: out of it cuz you can there's going to be other ways to get concussions and I I get that. Just in terms of a star player having to be pulled from the ice because of a questionable hit and then the guy who delivers the questionable hits on a regular basis not suffering anything more than a slap on the back of the hand. That's, you, that's sure. That's That shouldn't be the trade-off. It shouldn't just be that. Oh, I get to let's let's go to the NFL. I get to go decapitate a Tom Brady or a Matt Ryan, Mm -hmm. and then I get a 15-yard penalty, and maybe like maybe they suspend me for a game or something. But oh well, hey, Matt Ryan's out of the game now, or Tom Brady's out for the season.
1: And the perception of casual sports fan towards this sport is what that they really don't care. That they have fighting still, violence is fine, right? So you've got a repeat offender. This is a perfect example case. This is a perfect player to say, you're done. You're done for the series. This is going to be the fourth time that you're suspended this year. You don't, This is not, and this is not a goon. This is worse. This is a cheap shot artist. This is a guy who will always push things. And and if you want to make a statement to everyone watching this series that you take things seriously, I'd suspend them and say, you're gone. Yeah, it's also, uh, it's just, it takes away from what, what could have been other more fun sure, and it was. You know, reputable yeah. storylines, right? So and it, it was fun. Uh one more thing, too. And this is a plea towards every television station, including ours, in this town. When you run a crawl, when it's storming outside, which I get, you gotta do, okay? I get that. <laughs> I'm not asking you not to. But last night, care ran the crawl, and they also had the little pop-up map. We don't need the pop-up map. Just run the crawl. If I need to get to the basement, tell me. In the crawl. Go to your basement, Judd. The map, ne- the map does nothing for me. I don't know. I can't even I know, read I the damn like, thing. It's I so feel small. Like my
0: phone is set up now to just okay. send me alerts. Well, like the, I get these Weather Channel alerts now that say, "Hey, you're going to die," or "No, it's going to be fine."
1: I'm compromising though here. I'm I'm accepting the fact that that there is an obligation among the TV stations to run a crawl, but I don't need a map popping up into the ice. Well, at least they small didn't break thing. in, right? They didn't break they didn't, in, and good, no, they didn't bre- break in. See, it could have been worse. You could have had oh, would or Sven could have jumped in for like 20 minutes. And... I would have hurled something right through my television. <laughs> I would have thrown something right through. Anyway, I'm just saying no more maps. I don't need maps. What's wrong with the map? I don't need it. I can Why? read the crawl. But... The crawl takes a while to get
2: through. You got your warnings, you got your watches, uh-huh. you got to do Wisconsin and Minnesota. I'm trying
1: to watch You can look at the map and see, boom, my county's red. I got to go. I'm trying to watch the hockey game. I don't need the map. I'm compromising here. I'm giving I'm offering compromise. I'm not saying what Is Phil said. it because said. you
2: can't find your house on that map.
1: You have no it's idea. It's because where I'm you trying to reside. watch a hockey game which moves at a high rate of speed and I want as little uh obstruction of the picture as possible and I think a nice little crawl saying what county is in grave jeopardy of basically being blown away from the state? I think that's fine. You're but you're not co- watching the crawl, though. You're watching the game. If it's bad enough outside, I'll look at the crawl. Here's the thing it could have said that your
0: county and your street were in grave danger. And okay. you wouldn't have known because you were trying to figure out, you know. Then
1: that's a me problem.
0: The fourth line matchup. Then that's up. a yeah. me
1: problem. If they're, that's, they're
0: cycling
2: in the offensive end. It says well, St. Louis you know Park as a tornado touching you know down what? right if now. If I die,
1: that's a, that's my fault. It's worth it for that's, you? That's my fault would it have that been, I didn't go to the if basement. If you would have
0: died last night because you didn't properly read the crawl, then it's just time. Would it have been worth it? Then it's time. Would it have been worth because it?
1: Because it's
0: the cop. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stella's barking from the basement. Judd,
1: get down here. Judd. Listen, if it's your time, it's your time. All right. All I'm trying to do is compromise with the local television stations. Uh, Collar has some great stuff on Kirk Cousins.
0: And uh, he actually wrote a column for 1500 ESPN.com, and he spoke with Cousins' quarterback guru. So we'll talk about that. And he has a great suggestion, something we can do with Judd here, maybe even later today. We'll get to that. Uh, Judd has a word for Prime Mortgage
1: Lending first, though. Yes, and if you're considering your options when it comes to mortgage companies, I want to suggest, as I have been for quite some time now, my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough, that's because this isn't about simply selling you on something, folks. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you a loan. That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is sit down, meet with you first, and explain their plan, and after that, the decision is up to you. This is about a couple of very important things in all walks of life, whether that be sports, business, day-to-day, teamwork, and collaboration. It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in, collaboration and teamwork. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of that mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? That's right. Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay those closing costs for you. It's a great deal. Check with Prime Go by going to goprimewithkent.com. Once again, the website, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. Collar joins us.
0: Attention. Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. And
2: this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Robert W. Baird and Company.
3: Three. Cannot find the range. Is there a point where you stop shooting? Gordon, not a step back three. Forty-two threes per game during the season. It's hardly forced to three, and it's rebounded by the
2: Warriors. This is
0: great. We'll bring Dave into this too because Collar's in here from fifteen hundred ESPN.com. We'll talk about your Kirk Cousins uh, part two feature here in a second. But uh, Collar brought up a great idea during the commercial break. The Rockets were 0 for 27 at one point from three-point range, which according to people who know math better than we do, if you take a 36% shooting three-point team, now they're stripping away all the variables like them being tired and playing a seven-man rotation and pressure and all those things, but there's a 1 in 187,000 chance that they would miss 27 straight threes. So bring your idea to the air here, Collar.
3: And so many of them were open. I saw people complaining about the referees. I'm like, the referees were bad, but if you miss... 27 threes and at least half of them are wide open, then sorry, you can't complain about the refs. But my idea, well, my question was when I saw that was I wonder if Judd could make one out of 27 attempts. If Judd is actually a better three point shooter than the Houston Rockets
0: were last night. <laughs> I, I, is there a, because you have a basketball in your car. Uh huh. Is there a park nearby, Dave? Do we know? Is there a park
1: within like,
0: a mile of the oh, Harvard I'm studio. Sure, we can There has them, to be, right? Absolutely. And my
1: first instinct would be I would have a very good chance to get skunk completely. Because I haven't shot a basketball in ages. And that, You
0: could just, like, flip one up
1: underhand and make it. Yeah, no, you, you would could do, right, like, right, am no, no, throw. Saying, I'm saying, if I give it some thought, perhaps I, I think I could hit one by first inclination... Would be probably not because the corner three would would probably give me the best chance percentage wise. No, I think, but that's for, an incredibly for you, hard shot. No, for no, no, a no, no you'd want backboard. I mean, you'd want the backboard. Yeah, right, right. So the corner
0: three is only really for like highly trained professional right. shooters who are yeah. But
1: that's the closest. So as I get farther away, it's not that much further away. It's only
0: like a foot though. All right, it's really not that. I think. Well, let's. Try I it. think. I think you would make one. I'd be up for trying. I think you'd make more than one because you'd find a rhythm after like ten shots. <laughs> unlike mean, Trevor Ariza, apparently. Or there, James Harden.
3: There are people that they pull out of crowds who make half-court shots True, games right. sometimes. Yeah, true, because if you flip it up
1: there sometimes, it just goes yeah, in. Right,
3: I mean, just like some dude in jeans, and you can see his wallet sticking away, he's got like the George Costanza wallet and a sweater, and he just throws it up there, and it bounces and goes in, <laughs> like... I think you could do it. Well, with let's give it a shot.
1: I'll do it. Attempts. I'll try it. Okay. Let's find some place post show, and I'll. You could literally
0: take twenty-seven granny shots. Just flip them up in the air underhand. Use the backboard. Put some backspin on it. My, <laughs> concern, Which... my
3: concern with today is it's going to be ninety-nine degrees, like, or ninety. Oh, degrees. it's uh, yeah. That could pause that cause, cause some cause problems for me. could really, you really alter you...
0: judge mechanics. I would. Yeah.
3: I I am officially <laughs> inviting you to come play at my park that I shoot at every day. Well let's let's plan a time at some point I'll come out
1: I'll come out there and see if I can make one before I, I launch shot number 27. How about that? And we at some point in time let's video do it. Of this. Yes. yes, this would be good. let's definitely do it.
0: Um let's uh you you, you have part 2 of your Kirk Cousins series on 1500espn.com and uh, and so who tell our audience who did you talk to his quarterback his personal quarterback coach, correct?
3: So in 2014, when Kirk Cousins was battling with Colt McCoy for the starting position in Washington, after things had gone down for Robert Griffin, and uh, those two were kind of like, yeah we don't know which one of these backups might have a chance, but ne- probably the answer is neither, and it was kind of a disastrous situation for them. Cousins started the season and then played really poorly or or came in at one point and then played poorly and he got benched for Colt McCoy. After he got benched for Colt McCoy, he decided that he wanted to try to maximize his skills even more than he already had and started looking for people to work with. So he started working with a quarterback coach named Jeff Christensen. You probably hear about quarterback gurus sometimes. Usually it's around draft time when someone has terrible mechanics and their quarterback guru is like, I'm fixing his motion. I, I'm I'm the one that's out there doing it, boys. Like uh, Jordan Palmer, who was very briefly an NFL quarterback, he was arguing that um, Josh Allen, it was everyone else's fault that Josh Allen had a bad completion percentage. He, <laughs> his exact quote was something like, it was a high schooler playing with 8th grade teammates. It was like, get out of here with that. Get out of here with a guy who went to Wyoming and couldn't complete 60% against bad competition. But, Unless
0: someone can prove that these guys dropped 100 passes, you know. Well
3: they do track that pro football focus. And actually the quarterback with the most drop passes was Lamar Jackson. It was not Josh Allen. And if you actually change the uh, completion percentage and just take out those drops and count them as completions, then Sam Darnold would have had a lower completion percentage than Lamar Jackson. And still Josh Allen would have been nowhere close. Yeah. So we know how to do that and to easily debunk what he was saying. And then he was also saying something about, well, if he had just completed 18 more passes throughout the year, like, yeah, if I had just chipped in from 100 yards away five <laughs> times, I would have been a much better golfer. Uh, but but that aside, so it's a little bit about how Kirk Cousins approaches his career, that he was on the cusp of career backup Or can I really win this job when I've got the opportunity and did everything he possibly could? And Christensen's an interesting guy because these quarterback gurus, it's kind of like the Wild West out there where you hear of them and some of them are in the media and some of them aren't. And he's kind of the old school, like one of the OGs who's just been around for a very long time. So he's pretty
1: quiet about things?
3: In a way, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's like... Very, he's he's willing to tell you that he was in the NFL at one point. He wasn't a great quarterback, but he's in the NFL at one point, and that he's worked with this person, this person, this person. I mean, it like he, he's not shy about his, the success that he's had working with a lot of guys, but also isn't as much of a hype man as you see some of them. There's a great book that I read last season when I was doing research for a piece on Case Keenum uh, called "The Making of a Quarterback" by Bruce Feldman. And he does a big part about quarterback gurus and goes through some of the history of some guys saying Jimmy Clausen was going to be the LeBron of football. And I think journalists have gotten smarter about this stuff because SI would run with that every time. If somebody's quarterback coach said, this guy is Montana with Elway's legs and Marino's arm like they would okay all right that's a heck of a quote but i think now because you get cross checked so much on social media with everything if you quote that then you kind of look like a clown show but what i did was i went and talked to two retired quarterbacks who had worked with him and really you could see the results i think with cousins just in his mechanics his footwork that's where the focus is and when john d filippo was asked about it last week he talked about being able to hit those passes along the sidelines, being able to drive the ball out there. And it can be the difference between someone being on the edge of being a backup quarterback and being a starter and then making the most of their opportunity.
1: So when, when a guy goes and, and consults with a guru in this case, is this a situation where a smart one also ha- has... Has the 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 quarterback coach go to the team as well, Collar, and sort of get their ideas? Because I've I've always found that to be the one intriguing thing. That if you go work with a guy that changes your mechanics and changes this and that, and then your team's like, no, 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 no. So how how much do the smart ones make sure that their team is involved at least in that process?
3: So th- this is kind of team to team and kind of tricky, but. So the there's way, pride here. Yeah, There is, right. And the quarterback coach might look at it like, hey, if you wanted help with your mechanics, why didn't you come to me? But where someone like Jeff Christensen, the quarterback guru, where he's making his money is based on the NFL's CBA. You only get so much time that you are allowed by the CBA to work with these guys. So the team really has to kind of say... All right, well, go work with that guy or go work with your side trainer. I know there's a trainer in L.A. who works with Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr, and he also works with Odell Beckham, and they go on the beach and they pull tractor-trailer tires and all this stuff. I'm sure that the Vikings trainer who I've heard from some people is really highly regarded. I'm sure that everything they do is not signed off by him, but what can he really say? Because he only gets so many hours with those guys, so they might ask him, hey, what do you think of this, or what do you think of that? I think it's the same thing with the quarterback gurus, but they can really say, look, if you were Kirk Cousins, 2014, backup quarterback guy, fourth-round draft pick for Michigan State, like, if you're going out there and, and fly, he was flying him in on his own dime into DC, after, like once a week after practices and then spending the offseason with him. If you're putting that much work into improving, then good for you to try to make it.
0: Let's dive into some more of the specifics. And, and, and you also mentioned that you talked to other former quarterbacks who worked uh, with Christensen. And uh, let's go into more of the specifics about. Kirk Cousins, his success, and some of the things he works on. Matthew Collar from 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and Saturday Morning Sports Talk hanging out with us. Mackie and Judd. Sit tight.
2: The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Yes! On
0: 1500
2: ESPN.
1: Did you Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It is gonna be fun. To going find to be fun. There's going to be fun. Mackie and Judd. It's not always going to be easy. It could cause plenty of angst. On 1500
2: ESPN. Come on! Football!
1: Football. Football! Football, yeah! yeah. yeah. Football. yeah. Football! Football! Yeah.
0: Get some! I'm, uh, I'm, reading, I'm just reading some of the, the, the Kirk Cousins Part 2 feature from you, Kyler, on 1500ESPN.com, where you talk to Kirk Cousins' personal quarterback coach slash guru who's worked with other quarterbacks, and you've quoted some of them in the story. And uh, one of the quotes, and then you can expand on this however you want, Uh, The quarterback guru, Christensen, said it's like playing the piano. If somebody's fingers are made a certain way, somebody's wrist is made a certain way, somebody's shoulder is made a certain way. It's different across the board. There just seems to be a lot of nuance in this uh, line of work.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure he's ever really played the piano. Kirk or uh, or Christensen? (laughs) Christensen. It's like, no, I think with piano, you kind of do have to play it the same way. But um, I'm I'm nitpicking there. His, <laughs> his point is just that every quarterback is different. So what he tries to do is he'll take tape of a guy, video, and then he'll look at the guy's strengths and weaknesses and see where he might be able to help him improve. I mean, Christensen doesn't make this sound like it's the most scientific thing of all time. He's like, look, I mean, throwing a football... You you could look at uh, there's a guy who I know who used to play major league baseball and he makes videos on YouTube that do really well where he'll take major league hitters and break them down and there he was doing one on uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And there's a lot of things that Ken Griffey Jr. did that Bryce Harper also does. And that's the same way with quarterbacks, where the footwork is probably going to be pretty similar for each guy. Now, maybe some quarterbacks bring the ball down farther, or some bring it back a little farther, or whatever it might be. But that I think that's kind of where he works with, is just getting those small details that maybe no one ever tried to correct with you because you were always good. I mean, if you are in the NFL, Kirk Cousins was a great quarterback in college. If you're having that much success in college, I don't know how much they're sitting down with you on a daily basis and going, hey, this little detail, this angle of your foot or this weight transfer that you use is taking that – one mile an hour off of your throw to the outside. And in the NFL, that could be a difference maker. And I guess the takeaway is with Kirk Cousins as a whole, because this is my second piece on him and there's another one coming. So I've been talking to a lot of people for my first article. I talked to a guy from D.C. You guys had Matt Hassel back on and asked him some things for that article that I used. And and what comes you come away with is how incredibly detailed he is. That to make everything out of the talent he was given, he has to do things like this. He's not just going to pick up the old pigskin and start hucking it around. It's got to be every single detail has to be right for him to be a franchise quarterback.
1: So in your deep dive here, give me your, your perception of Cousins when you started these pieces compared to now.
3: I, I don't think it's super different from my perception of him. It's just it's hard not to be impressed with how detailed he is and how he got here. And then you look also at the other side of that, where if things go a little off the rails, it isn't Aaron Rodgers. Someone like Aaron Rodgers is so gifted that his left tackle can be out. His top wide receiver can be out. And he's got that same mental thing that Cousins does where he just puts insane amount of work into it and every detail and everything else. He's just way more gifted. And with Cousins, the, the, one of the things that I've come away with, especially talking to people in DC was this isn't a guy like Rodgers who's going to draw a play up in the dirt and then go come up with something wild on third down and long against the Cowboys and win a playoff game. He's not. Carson Wentz, where he's going to get some pressure and roll out and then all of a sudden make a a crazy pass down the field that Wentz did so often last year. It's a guy who really understands the game super well, he understands the details really well, and can execute within those confines. So what John D. Filippo draws up for him, he's going to be able to understand and execute, and there's some cool videos of him that he made with the draft prospects, where he's on the board with them, and he's explaining some NFL concepts and how that's different from college and things like that. He's got all of that down. It's just when you're talking about him as a franchise quarterback, how he'll do here, might. Really depend on just if this team stays together as strong as it is now.
0: I would think that the John D. Filippo and Kirk Cousins relationship, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that it's the franchise and whether it can get to that next level and win a Super Bowl sort of hinges a lot on that relationship, right? Like, you know what the Zimmer defense relationship is. So if you can squeeze. If you can squeeze a little extra out of Kirk Cousins and and cut down on some of the turnovers, I mean, that's the relationship that's going to be the most important, right?
3: I don't know if it's squeeze as much out of him or is just get the same as he was in 2016. In 2016, he's he's got his best statistical season, his best pro football focus season, and that went along with by far and away his best supporting cast. A supporting cast in 2016 that I would argue was better even than what the Vikings have now is that great? Really? Okay. Because they have a a Hall of Fame left tackle in Trent Williams. And that's the one area with this that could derail the whole thing. That would be my biggest concern.
0: Yeah, we tend to just think about the receivers, right? Instead of the entire product, which is a center and a left tackle and a right guard, right? And,
3: And the receivers were fantastic in Washington. They're fantastic here. But they even had had two tight ends that were really good uh, in Davis and Reed there and then they had Garcon and Deshaun Jackson their running game by committee was really successful that year too so that's not even going to be a huge difference maker it's just how well you protect him might make the biggest difference I could see him and Filippo getting along super well though because they're both highly intellectual guys who really understand the game this isn't like, Filippo, I believe, had to work with Jamarcus Russell for a time when he was out there. And uh, Kirk Morrison used to play for the Raiders. He was on a show telling a story about Filippo and Jamarcus Russell where Filippo gave him a DVD and said, Hey, I've, I've put together a bunch of clips that I want you to look at uh, and, and a bunch of plays, and you tell me which ones fit with your skills best. Well, the DVD was blank, but Jamarcus came back and said, "Yeah, I watched. I'm comfortable with all that wow. stuff." Well, that's wow, that's a that's a nice little trick, and not surprising by the
0: yep. way. That's amazing. It's
3: not going to happen with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> right. I mean, listen, <laughs> D. Filippo seemed very <laughs> pleased, very pleased because he had Jamarcus Russell and Johnny Manziel, and both of them were you know just screw ups. Um, so now he's got a similar guy as far as your mental makeup and effort and hard work and all that to Carson Wentz, which he worked with last. Year and he's probably thrilled to have that.
1: So, how how much ultimately is this offense going to be tweaked and changed compared to what Shermer ran in 2017?
3: I don't have any sense for that really yet. Um, I've looked back at the entire Eagles season and there's a lot of stuff that's similar. Um, there's like mesh concepts where you have guys running underneath and things like that. And the receivers line up all over the place for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. And I would guess that Kendall Wright is kind of, uh, he's a slot guy, but he also had 17 catches on the outside last year too. So he's a guy who's been around. I think you're going to see all sorts of the different alignments and stuff that Philadelphia used. Um, You're going to see the multiple tight ends that Shermer used. I think there will be a lot of similarities there. But De Filippo is a guy who's kind of been going from place to place and picking up different things, similar to Shermer. So we called Shermer. Oh, he's, he's West Coast because it's Bill Walsh hands it down to Holmgren, hands it down to Reed, hands it down to Shermer. Like all that's true, but also these offensive coordinators are studying and pulling from everybody
1: else. It's so morphed by now, too. It right there really isn't. It's not. It's not a certain yeah. philosophy now. There, there
3: isn't the air raid really. Right. There isn't the air Coriel. It's like. <laughs> It's just everybody kind of has taken all these different concepts and is changing all the time. And something for my third part that's coming out next week that I've really discovered is how insanely hard it is to be a defense these days. Because I've been studying the Philadelphia offense, and they would call a concept in a big situation in week two, three, and four, and then not do it again till week 15. So the, the whatever team is playing them in week six is like, all right, we know what's coming. This is what they're doing. And then they'll show that same look. Oh, we've got them here. And it's something completely yeah. different. And I would guess that DeFilippo brings that over here.
0: Well, there was, I don't think we've talked about this on the air. You and I talked about it for sure off the air. And, and we were geeking out on Twitter over this video. Bill Belichick was doing a breakdown. What platform was that even on? It was like I, some video breakdown in Boston.
3: Yeah, it might have been, like, was it their team website? or maybe it might have been, some... Yeah, it might have been team
0: website, like yeah. Patriots.com. And they showed uh, sometime regular season, and uh, and they just showed, like, a standard offensive play. It was, it wound up being, like, a 10-yard completion or something. And, and I can't remember the exact details, but it was, all right, uh, we ran this play, and it resulted in a, a, a curl route that was a catch for nine yards. And then Josh McDaniels, and Bill, this is Belichick explaining how smart Josh McDaniels is. He anticipated the adjustment and then made a counter adjustment before the. De- so, so he said, All right, "Next time we run that play, they're probably going to defend it this way. Yeah. So we'll just put a double move in there and and hit them over the top uh-huh. for a forty-yard touchdown." And,
3: and when you see someone run wide open, that's almost always what happened. Like Remember when uh, Thielen caught the touchdown against the Texans where we were like, who is Adam Thielen? Look at this. Uh, I think it was the same thing where they had read, it was either like a slant flat or a double slant concept there, and he broke it off. Into like a double move, and he was just wide open. It was like, Oh my gosh, how did he get that open? Because the corner jumped it, thinking yeah. that he knew exactly what was coming. And, and it ordinarily,
0: wasn't. you would think, Okay, you run a play and it works. We'll run it again until they prove that they can stop it. And the Patriots said, Uh uh-uh. uh, we know. We, we McDaniel saw the two defensive backs talking with each other along the sideline and said, oh, I know what they're talking about. That they're going to do this yeah. and defend it this way next time. So we're just going to, we're not going to wait to counter the counter. We're just going to counter the counter now and hit him over the head.
3: So did you guys ever have, like, erector sets when you were kids? Yes, I did. So, like, my older brother, who is much better at this sort of thing. So we had, like, Legos, but also erector sets. And I think that like, offenses used to be Legos where you sets. look at the picture and then you try to copy the picture and, like, everything just goes where it's supposed to be. Erector sets, you could build your own thing. Yep. And you just got all the pieces. And now, I mean, this is where Filippo should be excited. And he, like, almost squealed high-pitched when talking about Stephon Diggs because you can do anything with these guys. There are only a handful of receivers in the entire NFL who can win routes at all three levels, underneath, intermediate, and deep. And they have two of them. And Diggs can do it, yeah. They had zero of them last year in Philadelphia and won the Super
1: Bowl. The only guy who could win at all three levels was their freaking tight end. There was a time when defensive adjustments were a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, did you see what the Chargers did to adjust? Now it's every single game. So this whole thing of, we've got to stop the West Coast, and then a the team stopped it, and you're like, that is fantastic. Now, it's the norm. Yeah. Every single week. That was some, the last five minutes of this show, football porn at its oh. peak right here. Oh, I love
0: breaking it down. I though. mean, that was just, yeah. Football. Right there. So good. Love Mackie it. and Judd
2: are back after this brief timeout. How did your focus groups feel about cliffhangers? On 1500 ESPN. It,
3: this is where the magic
2: starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime! On 1500 ESPN. The Take Your Kid Fishing Weekend is coming up, and you can get prepared this Saturday, June 2nd, by joining Jess Myers at the Tracker Boating Center in Shakopee from 9 a.m. until 11, and Chris Reavers at the Tracker Boating Center in Forest Lake from 1 to 3. Hang with the boys, check out the amazing selection of Tracker Boats, and sign up to win a $100 Bagley Bates prize pack, plus the first 15 people through the door can grab a complimentary pair of passes to the Minnesota Zoo details at 1500 aspncom Keyword events. Final
3: seconds off. Game one in the books. Knights win it six to four. Tomasz
2: Nozick, the game winning goal. On the ice for the critical offense and on the ice for the critical defense. The Knights beat the Capitals six to four
1: and take a one to none Stanley Cup final series lead. Okay, boys, fun game last night in game one. I think it was. It wasn't an especially well-played game, but it was a fun game, and I think it was good for the league as far as you got a bunch of goals and all that stuff. But, Collar, here's the perfect way to end Game 1. Tom Wilson, you call him in and say, you're done. You're done. You're suspended. Yeah, I don't care if this goes four games I don't care if it goes seven games, but that is the that is the definition. And there are I can't I thought believe a Wayne,
0: a Wayne Newton empty netter would have been a better way to end game one. But that's mean. Well, whatever, that, it's fine.
1: That, Celine Dion
3: comes down, that, and the Raptors grabs the, a stick and the, knocks it in. The Blue Man Group is your fourth line. They were there.
1: They were there.
0: <laughs> were they you were like? Were they watching yeah. the game? Yeah. And,
1: oh, and by the way, NBC Penn and Teller are like 25 years ago they opened the show with Penn and Teller oh, Pen and uh, they still rule Didn't no. Teller get
0: didn't, didn't Teller almost die because of uh, like a lion No with, you're thinking oh, Siegfried and yeah, yeah, And they yeah. weren't there Okay okay They
1: weren't there but anyway Teller's
0: fine he's doing good He's fine okay yeah.
1: Tom Wilson <laughs> suspect he he's a cheap shot art- artist he is the exact type of player that you want out of this game he is the exact player. A Tiger Maldivgeni Kuznetsov. Darn. <laughs> you know
0: what? Throw, throw Tom Wilson in the cage with uh, the Tiger. Love, How about like, that? Okay, idea? okay, let me pause this for a second because last night was a celebration of the NHL in one of the funnest cities in America. That yeah, was great. You had in fact, they had Brent Musburger pregame doing the you are looking live. Well, at then Michael Buffer NHL, came out and right?
1: introduced the teams. And
0: all the things that we could be excited about. And you're here bitching about Tom Wilson.
1: I am here, well, come on. I am here but, saying, no, no, I am my platform is this casual sports fan if they watched last night it's gonna say that was really fun and and if Tom Wilson Period. is now suspended for a game or not they're gonna say, but that's typical hockey. I want to get past typical hockey. I'm I've,
0: casual I'm casual hockey fan. the Tom Wilson thing is annoying. It didn't derail last night's experience for me.
3: I think the two things are connected that one of the problems the NHL has always had for its growth is that it's so connected with violence. And if you have an opportunity with something unique in a story line that is getting attention and you can show off your sport and be like, hey, all of you, if if you've tuned out since, like, forever and you just think that, like, people fight each other all the time, hey, they don't. They just play skill now and it's really fun and exciting. And then this... Thug does what he does, and it's like, oh man! And he's not even a bad player, but he just can't help himself. Right? He 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 was suspended three games earlier in the playoffs. He's Marshawn, he's red. Radcliffe, it's the same crap. There's a bunch of these guys who do this stuff all the time, and they literally cannot stop themselves from doing it. Yeah, because the
0: the, the NHL clearly doesn't stop them enough. And that's my point, though. No, we get your point. I'm just saying that the Blue Man Group was there last night. It was fun.
3: I think that it hurts, that the NHL should be really upset about it and that it hurts what they want to present as. Look at this entertainment yes. product, and Vegas has given them a better opportunity to do it than uh, anybody else would have. If Edmonton, even with Connor McDavid, was there, no one would really watch. But this Vegas thing, that bananas intro they did, I went back and watched it again. Like this thing <laughs> is like, crazy. This is awesome. Yes. Like the the fact that they have fully embraced their Vegasness. It's not just. Oh, uh, yeah, we got a team. They play over there. It's like, no, no, this is entirely it's a production. The whole, it's an the, entire production. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau shows up in a Lamborghini yep. that is totally pimped out with Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, it's it's like really cool what has happened there. And to have a dirty hit be one of the biggest stories, I think, has got to be really frustrating. It, for it's that.
0: actually the the environment and the atmosphere. And you could even say this a little bit about Winnipeg, especially for... American fans who don't get to watch the Winnipeg home yep. atmosphere and if if you can't market individual players as much because a lot of them are from different countries and you haven't heard of them coming up through the pipeline like you do a college football player or a college basketball player I think you can market some of these atmospheres you can market mm-hmm. Vegas you can market to some degree Winnipeg you can market the Chicago National Anthem and uh, you know New York obviously so you Hockey is on to something here a little bit with some of these great in-arena atmospheres.
3: Do you think that Minnesota has done it well? Um, Because I think that they have tried to make the the arena has this very sort of outdoorsy feel to it. And they
1: do the, uh, what is this? This is the the song, man. Oh. We were. Oh okay. oh okay. Oh I okay. Mean, yeah. No. This the, is the
3: intro. Sort of sounded it, it like and, ominous there.
1: And if you try and take our sport away again, Batman, we're gonna fight you. That's yeah. basically what that song says. We're gonna fight you. We're gonna beat you up.
3: So they they like make an effort, and the let's play hockey thing I think is great. They bring up different people to yep. do it. You know, I think we, we take do, I think take they water
0: job. from other from lakes yeah. around the state, and we pour it on I the wa- ice. I ice. just want to go.
1: I want to go yeah. one year without a damn slogan. But I think they do a nice job. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I think, and I don't of... want to
1: see them go to a show. I mean, Vegas is that's a cool thing, and they should keep that. Uh, I don't want to see that those start to permeate every rink. I think the Wild does a very nice job.
3: Where, where other, yeah, and the Wild, I hate their name, the, but I think they do a. The nice Wild job. would be we're we're sort of like that with the, taking who we are as a community and a hockey community and putting it as part of the game production, but. If Someone else tries to go so over the top, I think they're going to really struggle with it. But some of these other markets, like I don't know much about Raleigh, North Carolina, but I'm sure those people do. There's got to be something that can make that into a more entertaining product than just throwing the puck out and saying, Yeah, we got it, a team, Matthew, moving it and, and, and <laughs> our, moving it anywhere but Raleigh, North <laughs>
0: Carolina. You know, well, move it to Duluth. Can we also, amen, like,
3: they're. You talk about the wild being a bad name. Let's name it after a thing that
1: ruins people's right, houses. It is, it is true. Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? The yeah. the Carolina the hurricane. it's gonna destroy well, your home. <laughs> and by the way, wherever that team went, you had to leave the damn name. The Whalers is the is one yeah. of the great names of, of all time. Wherever that team moved, you should have found a way to incorporate the logo and that name. Yeah, the the hurricane
0: thing is is kind of funny. Like Let's pick a natural disaster that wipes out lives and homes, and let's take pride in it.
3: Although I guess teams do do like earthquake. Yeah, even, you've got a lot. Yeah, you got a lot. Of but that. even that feels mildly inappropriate. Lightning Just can like, kill you. Like in <laughs> Florida, can kill you. Well, get struck by lightning. Come ow, on, everyone's got lightning. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that'd that'd be, be, that'd lightning. Like, lightning uh, could
0: be anywhere around the country. The, the, the kill Los you? Angeles forest fires. <laughs> Man, <laughs> a, it's a little close to home. It's made little, me
1: want to go. <laughs> a little aggressive. Well, move, move them and change the name, and I don't care. Carolina should move.
0: Oh, man. Go read Collar's Kirk Cousins series. Uh, he's up to part two now on 15hardyspn.com. Uh, we have a very Judd like pecking order when we come back here. In fact, I couldn't even, I only thought of like four because this is such a Judd like pecking order. Well, I think order I'm up here. to eight already. Okay, so we'll do that. Uh, Later on, Jason Stark will join the show, too, in about an hour and a half. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. I
2: don't want to get any messages.
0: On 1500 ESPN.